Everything I Never Told You by Celeste N.G. takes place in Ohio in the 1970s revolving around an Asian American family. Marilyn, a white woman, and James, a Chinese man, have three children, Nap, Lydia, and Hannah. The family has recently lost their 16-year-old daughter Lydia and are left with little to no clues as to why she is dead. Coming from different backgrounds, Marilyn and James struggle to understand and resolve their differences, which eventually tears the family apart and leads to James having an affair with a co-worker as a way to cope. Lydia's death ultimately leads to her family's demise. The parents' background is revealed to show that Marilyn has had to push through a patriarchal society, while James has been desperately trying to fit into a white majority community. Struggling to see past their own hardships and desires to give their children a better life, Marilyn and James never cared to ask about their children's own dreams. Before her death, Lydia had struggled to keep up with her parents' expectations, but did everything she could to make her mother happy. As the family continues to search for clues as to why Lydia may have left behind, they realize Lydia wasn't the perfect social daughter she had claimed to be. Eventually, Marilyn and James acknowledge their flaws and selfish ambitions they had forced on their children and are brought back together. To truly understand how the Lee family feels, I think it would be appropriate to take a look into the discrimination Asian Americans face throughout U.S. history. The first historical incident I want to bring up is the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. To give some background, the state of California imposed a foreign miners tax in 1850, which targeted Chinese miners during the gold rush. Soon after this tax was imposed, Chinese miners were targeted with violence by white miners. The Chinese, similar to African Americans and Native Americans, were not allowed to testify in court. By 1870, they had already paid $5 million to Californian taxes, but were still facing racism and discrimination at work and at camps. But the foreign miners tax was not the last of the discriminatory legislation. Signed on May 6, 1882 by Chester A. Arthur, the Chinese Exclusion Act was passed for the express purpose of stopping Chinese immigrants from coming to the United States. The act suspended Chinese immigrants for 10 years and declared them ineligible for naturalization. This trend continued as Congressman Thomas J. Geary signed the Geary Act of 1892 to extend the length of the Chinese Exclusion Act. It required Chinese immigrants to carry IRS documents, which are certificates of residence, and if caught without one, they would be sent to hard labor and deportation. The effects of this act were long-lasting as it made Chinese immigration permanently illegal in 1902 which caused the Chinese population to experience a sharp decline. It also made Chinese immigrants with American-born families ineligible for citizenship until 1943. The last incident of racism in history I want to discuss occurred from 1942 to 1945 during the Second World War. It was established by Franklin D. Roosevelt in which U.S. government policy decreed that people of Japanese descent even if they were U.S. citizens, would be incarcerated in isolated camps in response to the Pearl Harbor attacks. Japanese Americans were forcibly removed from their homes, and it affected around 120,000 people, most of whom were American citizens. My paternal grandmother's side of the family was actually interned in these camps, even though they were American citizens. Their land was taken from them, and they never got it back, even after they got out of the camps. They were given $20,000 in reparations through legislation passed in the 1980s, but it was worth much less than the land that was taken. Although Everything I Never Told You takes place over 30 years after Japanese Americans were interned during World War II, the Lees were still experiencing isolation and racism. I think what's more upsetting is that racism still exists in our society today. And I just want to talk about the recent shooting in Atlanta, Georgia, in a spa that targeted and killed eight Asian women. There was such a clear racist motive, yet it was blamed on sex addiction. I mean, that's ridiculous. Eric Nam, a Korean-American singer, also shared his personal experience while growing up in that same state. 
He talks about how he always felt apologetic because he was Asian in a white majority community and how once a white driver had screamed at his mother using racist slurs. And Eric Nam as a child had questioned if his mother was actually in the wrong when she had done nothing. It was just this stereotype that Asians couldn't drive. Also, I found it interesting to see that Eric Nam also talks about being able to belong and fit in, which is also seen in our book. James is almost obsessed with being accepted into his community and tries a lot to appear more white as he implies to his children that he wants them to be treated differently. He buys Lydia a necklace and on page 264, he tells her everyone was wearing them and Lydia goes on to tell the audience that everything he did for the family was based on what the town was doing. Oh, this family bought this, so we'll buy it too. And... James has directly experienced racism and he has this fear that his children won't be included in school and he does everything he can to make them seem less different. And for me, when I was younger, probably in like first grade, I thought I also had to act more white. When I ever, when I opened my Korean food for lunch, my friends would just go like, ew, like what does that smell? And at a young age, that would embarrass me. And I would force myself to just agree with them and be like, oh, I know it's so disgusting. And I would go home and ask my mom to pack me a sandwich or just something not Korean. Looking at it now, I wish I hadn't been embarrassed. But at that age, I know I couldn't really grasp the concept of racism. I only understood that I was different and I was getting these looks, but it was never something that I knew because I was Asian. I also had a similar experience, Janice. I wouldn't want to eat Chinese food at lunch because of the comments other kids were making. In the seventh grade, I had a friend who was mocking the way Asians sounded by repeating a racist vine and laughing at it. Although there is less direct racism now, I feel like microaggressions have definitely become more popularized. Yeah, exactly. Me too. In eighth grade, I was talking with a Korean friend in Korean because she had recently moved from South Korea and she was more talk, uh, she was more comfortable talking in Korean. And this lunch aide came up to us and told us, talk in English. This wasn't the first time this happened. She already come up to us and said this like at least two times before. Um, So I just told the principal this time and everything worked out and we received an apology. But the board said that this act was in no way racist. And I, I feel so stupid I think because I actually questioned myself like oh was I overreacting like is it this like complex where I'm like so sensitive to everything that's said to me but a few weeks later I saw a video on Instagram about a woman telling a group of Asian kids I think to talk in English and the everyone in the comments was just like oh this is so racist I can't believe she's still like someone like that is still in society And I feel like this kind of comforted me that I'm not wrong to think that something is racist and I have the right to just speak out about it. And I was just thinking back to what happened with the lunch aid and I just thought, wow, society is still so far away until it can actually just treat people equally. I definitely agree that society is really far away from having equality for everyone because everything you both just said really resonates with me. Um, Especially like eating food at school and getting rude comments. That happened to me a lot when I was younger. Um, Microaggressions, the shooting that happened, and even just the hate crimes that have been happening ever since the coronavirus against Asians.
um, even though it's really horrible and terrifying to experience. I think this is all the more reason for people to realize the disadvantage of living in America as a person of color. We all also happen to be female, so not only are we susceptible to sexual harassment and misogyny and sexism, but also hate crimes and racism. It's so difficult because I can never escape who I am. And being an Asian person is a huge part of my identity. Um, and society never lets me forget that. I get constant reminders about who I am with my food and the languages that I speak. Um, and even the box I check for race on the SAT. And Eurocentric beauty standards that were pushed onto me um, ever since I was young. Discrimination for me is manageable, but it feels really inescapable. And I can try to ignore the racist things that have happened in my life, but they always stick with me. This book makes it clear how racism affects people eternally, just like James. James faces discrimination growing up, and this instills fear in him of needing to fit in with everyone and having to please everyone. But unfortunately, he projects that fear onto his kids, in a really negative way. I mentioned earlier that women also have to live in fear in society. Along those same lines, sexism is another issue we see in this book. So another really big issue in this novel that's contemporary to society is sexism along with racism. Marilyn, the mother of this novel, constantly has to deal with sexism when she's a college student. The men in her class um, used to mock her in a really condescending way. Like, her teacher asked her why she wanted to take physics, um, and when she explained that she wanted to become a doctor, he just said, like, why not a nurse? Um, and he laughed at her. Um, the students who were guys in her class would ask her, can I light the burner for you? Or let me open that jar for you. And when she o broke a beaker on the second day of class, um, three men rushed to her side, and they said, Be careful, um, you better let us help. They never believed in Marilyn's own ability to do anything, even if it was super simple, just because she was a woman. But even after escaping that classroom, sexism continues to haunt her, and even shapes the way she parents her kids. Marilyn feels that she was denied the chance to have a career as a doctor due to the gendered pressure to become a housewife. This happened when she meets her husband, James. She ends up being stuck taking care of her kids at home, and she never is able to become a doctor. So when her middle child, Lydia, is born, she decides to raise her to def defy gender norms and become a doctor. But it turns out that Lydia never wanted that, um, and she feels pressured constantly to um, be amazing and be better than everyone else and that really affects Lydia's mental health in a really negative way. One reason sexism is so prominent is in this novel is because the author wrote it in the time period of the 1970s. In the same time frame when this book takes place on August 26, 1970, 50,000 women were marching in New York and they demanded equality in the workplace. Industries, unions, the military, and universities were heavily dominated by men. I think what's shocking is that this was 50 years after the 19th Amendment had been passed. This reminded me of when Marilyn told James how she had been harassed in her chemistry class and her teacher had told her that life's too short and you're too beautiful. Her mother had worked, wanted Lydia to become a wife that would serve her husband. 
even after women had been given the right to vote and they were more accepted into places that had never been open to them. This toxic mindset still remained and continued to bother Marilyn and eventually prevented her from becoming a doctor. Each character in Everything I Never Told You is facing pressure under some sort of expectation. James faces the expectations of society and experiences racism, while Marilyn combats gender stereotypes. At James and Marilyn's wedding, Marilyn's mother states how she believes their marriage is going to fail because James is an Asian American and Marilyn is white. From this, James gets the idea that he isn't man enough for Marilyn, and this idea weighs heavily on him throughout their whole marriage. Eventually, this expectation becomes so extreme that it pushes him to cheat on Marilyn with his co-worker, Louisa, another Asian American, where he can finally be himself and feel free of this expectation. The expectations that this family believes they need to live up to cause them to be lonely and isolated from the rest of society. Marilyn struggles with gender expectations and societal stereotypes towards women. Society expects women like Marilyn to be a stay-at-home mother tending to their children and making food. On the other hand, Marilyn has a different idea and dream. She wants to become a doctor. Although Marilyn might actually be very smart, she is seen as less intelligent just because she is a woman. She tries to pursue her dreams of becoming a doctor twice but is brought back home due to two pregnancies. Not even James understands how badly Marilyn wants to become a doctor, leaving her to feel misunderstood, lonely, and hopeless. All three Lee children are under immense pressure from their parents, unrealistic expectations, as well as societal expectations. They all feel cultural isolation just like James, however, it has an extreme impact on Nath. Lydia and Nath both don't have friends at school, but Nath actually got bullied by kids at the swimming pool because of his race. While playing Marco Polo, the other kids taunt him by saying Chink can't find China, going hand in hand with the racism that this family experiences, also causing isolation. Since the parents only focus on Lydia and are basically obsessed with her, this makes Nath feel like nobody cares about him and his successes, causing him to feel even more lonely, as if his family doesn't even notice him. The same conclusion can be drawn about Hannah as she lives in Lydia's shadow. Lydia has to live up to her parents' outrageous expectations. They want her to be the smartest person and are constantly forcing her to study and any chance they get. Marilyn is always buying her new books as presents so that she can always be learning something new. Nothing seems good enough for James and Marilyn, and they always want Lydia to be doing better, even when she is doing the best that she can. James and Marilyn forced Lydia to take very advanced classes so that she would be ahead of everyone else and be the best. They constantly put all this pressure on Lydia and completely ignore their other two children. They also try to force Lydia to have friends and constantly badger her about her social life. Since Lydia is a lonely child and doesn't have friends at school, she has to lie about everything, which eventually takes a toll on her. Lydia becomes so overwhelmed by her parents that she kills herself trying to escape and free herself from this pressure. Another common theme that proves to be an internal conflict among the entire family is the struggle to choose what kind of person they want to be. It also proves really hard for the family to fix their own flaws. Marilyn and James met when they were both in college. Um, at that time, James was a graduate student and he was temporarily teaching while Marilyn was actually a student. Years after they first met, they start to figure out exactly what they want to do with their lives. James is not hired by Harvard, which was his initial dream, but he ends up being a teacher at Middlewood College. His inability to achieve social acceptance, partly um, due to the fact that he was the only Asian, um, continues to haunt him. Marilyn wants to go to medical school to become a doctor, but when she meets James, she ends up having to take care of their kids, which I think I mentioned earlier. Both Marilyn and James are restricted by stereotype threat. 
James is afraid of being perceived as a loner, while Marilyn is afraid of becoming a useless housewife. As a result, they push their fears onto their own children. James pressures Lydia to be sociable and fit in with everyone else, even if that means burying her true emotions. He also pushes his fear onto Nath. James says he wants to hold and comfort Nath all the time, but he proceeds to constantly tease him um, about his passion for astronomy, and he even hit him one time. On page 93, rather than comforting Nath about being teased for being Asian, he said the other part of him wanted to shake his son, to slap him, to shape him into something different. He chooses to be a father with this aggressive love, but it ends up turning into blatant abuse. On the other hand, Marilyn is unable to become a doctor because she becomes a married mother, so she projects her dead dreams onto Lydia. Marilyn doesn't see Lydia as a human being, but more like a chance to create an alternate version of herself who's successful. Marilyn is extremely determined to make sure Lydia doesn't end up like her. She disregards that Lydia is actually lonely and needs academic help because in her eyes, Lydia has to be perfect. As a result, she loses Lydia emotionally. This book goes to show that the past can be a huge factor that shapes who you are. And I think that holds true to everyone. We mentioned earlier about racism and sexism. And in this book, you can truly see how it can actually affect people. The way that Marilyn and James act is so realistic and possible in real life, which is what's truly terrifying. Society pushes its racist and sexist agenda on James and Marilyn, and unfortunately, they really let it get to them. Throughout this book, the author explores the effects of well-intentioned but flawed parents. She continuously shows the impact of Lydia's death and moments of when the family connected and detached from one another. The parents contributed to a huge part of the family's drama. James, who is Lydia's father, and Marilyn, Lydia's mother, pushed their ideals onto Lydia with well-intentioned but overall drives her over the edge and contributes to the tension within the family. The book works backwards and shows moments in the parents' lives that affected their relationship. With the book taking place in 1970s, James, as a Chinese-American man, feels the need to blend in with, uh, with society, while Marilyn, as a white woman, wants to stand out and differ from the stereotypical housewife. Marilyn and James struggle to balance their dreams with the reality. They constantly push their beliefs onto the children. I think that Marilyn and James believe they either failed their childhood or didn't live it the way they wanted to, which is why they force their children to be something that they don't want to be. For example, Marilyn forces Lydia to take advanced classes and to study 24-7 so she can be a doctor just like Marilyn wanted to be when she was younger, but never achieved. Or how James wanted Nath to go to Harvard and would only accept the school because he didn't succeed at getting his job there. Another example is James uh, wants Lydia and Nath, more Lydia though, to have friends, even buying her a book to help her because he was lonely when he was a child. Later on in the story, Marilyn and James are having an argument and Marilyn says, I didn't care. I knew what I wanted. I was going to be a doctor. She glares at James as if he had contradicted her. Then, fortunately, I came to my senses. I stopped trying to be different. I did what all the other girls were doing. I got married. I gave that all up. A thick bitterness coats her tongue. Do what everyone else is doing. That's all you've ever said to Lydia. Make friends. Fit in. 
but I didn't want her to be just like everyone else. The rims of her eyes ignited. I want her to be exceptional. This quote demonstrates how the parents' values contradict each other and create a tear within the family. She explains how being different is always in the back of her mind, um, not similar to James, who wants to fit in. During another argument, Marilyn says, I'm disappointed. Marilyn's head snaps up. I thought you were different, which she means is, I thought you were better than other men. I thought you wanted better than that. But James, here's something else. You got tired of being different, didn't you, he says. I'm too different. Your mother knew it right away. You think it's such a good thing standing out, but look at you. Just look at you. While they were fighting, James interpreted Marilyn differently based on his beliefs. Since his insecurity lies within being different, specifically in his race, with all of their core beliefs and values forced onto their children, it drives them apart and puts a wedge between the whole family. Lydia isn't true to herself or her family, and Nath wants to escape as soon as possible. The parents' core beliefs impact their family dynamic drastically. I really liked how the book tackled both racism and sexism and showed everyone's perspective regarding Lydia's death. And although this story takes place in the 1970s, it could have easily taken place right now. With the recent rise in Asian hate crimes, I think this would be a great book to increase awareness of what it's like living as an Asian in a white majority society or just even feeling different and out of place. I agree with everything you just said. Um, and I really want to get into detail about what it's like being Asian in a white majority society. But before I get to that, I just wanted to say that I personally didn't like the ending because it felt so unfinished. Um, I didn't like the ending because even though they talked about their secrets, it's kind of annoying. I feel like they could have avoided all of these problems if they had just communicated in the first place. Um, Even though I didn't like the ending, like you said, Janice, I think this is a book that everyone should read in order to get a better understanding of what it's like to experience and be influenced by racism and sexism and other issues that people have. This book made me feel really seen and heard, and it's really relevant to to today. Um, like, for example, ever since Governor Murphy um, in New Jersey made masks optional indoors for vaccinated people, I feel uncomfortable taking my mask off because of the hate crimes directed towards Asians ever since the coronavirus. Um, and this just goes to show that racism is so deep-rooted um, and it doesn't seem to be disappearing. Um, and I think another issue that, along with, like, with racism is cultural identity and on page 48 this quote from james is he had stopped speaking chinese to his parents afraid of tinting his english with an accent this resonates with me because when i was growing up i was kind of ashamed of speaking korean and ashamed that my parents had accents when they spoke english um because society like put that into my head that that was something I should be ashamed of and people made fun of me for that um also I live in a predominantly white area um and my friends would tell me there's this term called being whitewashed at school and I know they all mean well but deep down it really scares me um because I'm really proud to be Korean so it's scary because it feels like a part of me is slipping away And the truth I think that a lot of people don't know about Asian Americans is that some of us will really never fully belong anywhere. Like, I wasn't born in Korea, and they don't accept me truly as one of their own. 
But since I'm not Caucasian or white, sometimes I don't feel like I belong in the United States either, especially in the environment that I'm growing up in. But this book is a must-read because I think people really need to see and realize that this isn't limited to this fictional story. Like, this is real life. Like, I carry this burden with me all the time. And now more than ever in this society filled filled with so much prejudice, I think people need to step back and experience life through different perspectives. And this goes for all social issues in this novel. I definitely agree with you. I felt a bit annoyed that Marilyn eventually forgave James and pulled him back into the family. I still feel like having an affair as a coping mechanism was pretty unjustifiable and Marilyn would have been better off without him. James never let her work because he feared he would be seen as a husband that couldn't even support his own family. The ending felt rushed and I feel like Hannah could have been a more significant character if the author had expanded the youngest sibling's role in the family. Also, Karen, when you mentioned how it terrifies you to feel such an important part of you slipping away, I definitely agree with that. Living in a white majority town and nation often forces me to push my identity away and try to blend in. Um, I only watch Korean TV shows, so when my friends ask me if I've watched shows like The Office, Riverdale, or anything else, I would often just act like I have watched it, and I just wanted to avoid being asked, well, what do you watch? And I would have to awkwardly explain these Korean TV shows, and I would immediately see in their eyes, like, oh, she like doesn't watch these TV shows, that's so weird. And... Growing older, I started realizing how being Korean and Asian American is so special and it's like a blessing because I'm able to experience a different culture and be able to call it mine. And I would desperately try not to act whitewashed. I talked only in Korean with my parents in fear that I would forget the language and I would practice my Korean writing skills. I realized that I also didn't have to hang out with the white kids to like belong in the school and just not be out of place i could be friends with whoever i liked and i think now i'm more at peace with my identity because i know that it's not wrong to be asian in this country but i still do have the feeling of not being able to belong i think the ending is very realistic in a way because james never did get the opportunity to truly belong in his town he's still left with these scars that will probably never let him just accept himself and his identity and in turn start questioning his town for why they're being racist and just not question his own race and his own practices and i feel like maybe this ending was in a way a bit better because it just shows how hard it is to accept your own differences in a country that judges you based upon what you look like and how you act So I guess the ending in a way is pretty just, it portrays a society very well. I wasn't pleased with how the book ended and I still feel like the Lees are not fully communicating with each other and saying how they really feel. They sort of move on from her death and cope in their own ways. I would have hoped for some more closure, maybe where the family can truly come together. Although there were definitely parts of the book I didn't love, I think the overall message the book sends is why it should be read in America today. I can definitely relate to not feeling a full sense of belonging. Being half Taiwanese, a quarter Japanese, and a quarter Ashkenazi Jewish, I've always struggled with my identity. At any family gathering I was at, I always felt out of place since I didn't look quite like anyone else. In school, I also struggled since there weren't many kids that were Asian and white. I was also one of the few Asians that was not able to speak another language at home besides English. I think a mix of all of those things really contributed to feeling displaced in most aspects of my life. 
Although the book may be a bit more exaggerated than reality, I 100% agree with you guys that it definitely is a must read. There were many parts of the book that I was able to relate to, and I think it would give a good sense of what it's like to be minority to people that might not relate to the book. It can also serve as a way to show what is and isn't appropriate to say and the effect it has on other people. For example, quote-unquote, Ching can't find China on page 90 is something that might not be a big deal to one person, but could be really hurtful to another. Adding on to what Karen said about the masks, I know my mom would get stares in grocery stores, especially when the coronavirus was at its height. I always thought, what if someone were to do something to her while she was out? It was a scary reality that I never once thought in my life I would have to worry about. I agree with all the points that were made. I believe this book is very insightful for people like me who have not dealt with Asian hate. It has personally made me more aware and enlightens me. I feel like this book would be good to read in America today because it is interesting and um, gives examples of Asian hate and sexism. However, this book takes place in the 1970s. I feel a better representation of things happening today in America would be based on the 2010s. If the book was taking place um, now, I would totally recommend this book. To add on, I agree with Karen when she says she doesn't like the ending. I think it was easily resolved and didn't elaborate enough on the growth in the family. I definitely agree with the idea of this book being insightful. I've also never really dealt with such serious hate like Nath did in the book. I agree with Janice that this book would be perfect to read right now with all the Asian hate crimes that are going on in our world today. This book really got the point across of how hard it is to live in a racist society and how it can affect a person and their family. I also really like how this book talked about sexism and the expectations from society and a children's own family. I know a lot of families who threaten their kids if they think that they might do badly on a test, putting an insane amount of pressure on the child to perform well, which in reality causes them to do worse. Many people also struggle with expectations from society. For me, this idea of expectations from society really hits home because I feel like sometimes I need to act a certain way just to fit in and not be someone who I truly am. My grandma always tells me about the sexism she faced when she was younger, and I've actually experienced it as well. I always used to go to basketball camps when I was younger over the summer, and the kids were predominantly boys. I remember we were picking teams to scrimmage one day, and not a single kid wanted me on their team just because I was a girl and they all thought I wouldn't be as good as them. Although at the time, I didn't think much of it because I was young, looking back as an older child makes me just wonder why. I really like how the author of this book really got these ideas across in a perfect way to the readers. Everything she wrote gave me a better understanding of the serious issues and things that were still going on today. And just to add on to why I actually do recommend this book, along with the prominent social issues, um, I think this book was really well written, and I really appreciate how naturally like the metaphors float in this novel and how it captures like every character really well like for example in chapter 11 on page 273 um lydia recalls a memory of like going to a museum with her mom and nath she sees a nugget of amber with a fly trapped inside and she describes herself as a fly um she says perhaps it had mistaken it for honey perhaps it hadn't seen the puddle at all by the time it had realized its mistake it was too late it had flailed and then it had sunk and then it had drowned Lydia grew up saying yes to everything her mom requested, and now she's stuck with a dream, um, becoming a doctor that she doesn't want anything to do with. She fell into the trap like the fly did and drowned. In this case, I think drowning symbolizes how her mental health was suffering. Uh, Marilyn wanted Lydia to defy ordinary female stereotypes, but now she has no idea what she really wants to do in life. Marilyn did more harm than good to her daughter, and Lydia feels like it's too late to like break out of the resin 
am in this metaphor and ad- admit to her mom that she doesn't want to become a doctor or in that reality she actually has no friends overall we definitely recommend this book despite some of the flaws there might be remember that now more than ever it's the time to educate yourself about social issues in today's society if you happen to be a human with any privilege that automatically puts you at an extreme advantage the least you can do is hear out the adversities that minorities go through but we are in position to affect social change and talking about issues is the start of the process discussing social issues in everyday life helps create awareness and better understanding of problems regarding their exact nature and causes Thank Thank you for listening. listening.